Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft. I'm joined today by NY Hoya. And this is the last regular season post-game pod for Kente Corner here in the 2021 season. It did not go well for your Hoyas. Georgetown swept by Connecticut, losing today 98-82 to in a game where they trailed by as many as 29. The Hoyas got off to a slow start, which is kind of a patented thing of theirs. Never recovered. James Booknight got going early. UConn hit 12 threes today. I know last time we were on the pod talking about the first loss to UConn, UConn had the unusual stat line in 2021 of going two for 11 from three. It was just really a wire to wire. And Patrick Ewing said it, a royal ass kicking, and it's hard to disagree. But other than that, NY, how is your Saturday afternoon? But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, that was the play. Yeah. Uh, I Coming into this game, everyone more or less, on the Georgetown side said this game is just gravy. It's yeah. it's a nice barometer to see where the program is. And I, I thought it was an interesting interesting term to use because today what we didn't what we saw was not gravy but just turkey. We just completely laid one today. It was it was it was pretty sad to see. just a couple of things jump out at me and and first of all as, as you said, falling behind 15 to two, this, this has to be the, I don't know, maybe the 10th time this season, if not more. I wish I was Georgetown tracking that. Has, You're right. Yeah. I, we, we can easily look up the statistics, but that would seem like an enormous waste of time and extraordinarily <laughs> depressing task to do. I do but, a lot of those things, but yes, you're right. <laughs> but at least 10 times, uh, m- maybe a couple of more where we have fallen behind by double digits really early and 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 use a timeout three minutes or less into the game and this is just another one of those examples and we never we never recovered from it today i think the same thing happened the same thing happened against uconn in the first game too it's no the first game they were up a point on connecticut at the half it was an ugly game i I, I know we were up a point but it 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 may have been that the we got off to a slow start as well yeah yeah Yeah. I, i was just saying like it's one of the games where they actually recovered yeah Oh right, no. It, look, in in a lot of these games, we do recover, but the the slow start. I I don't. I'm not really sure what explains it. I, I'm not sure if if it's an X's and O's thing, if it's we're just not playing hard enough. It, it's it really boggles the mind because it's it's not like it, that we see a lot of sort of six to four openings. It's usually it's usually we're losing eight nothing, twelve nothing, yeah. fifteen to two today. Uh, and this is this has become a troubling pattern for the team. The other thing I'll say is we are an exceptionally good rebounding team. We are one of the best rebounding teams 
Georgetown has had in years. And yet, for some reason, UConn has just completely dominated us in both games on the glass. Yeah, it's not like, you know, Hashim Thabit's walking through that door. You know, it's, it is a little bit surprising. I should mention Georgetown has now completed the regular season. The record is 9-12, and 7-9 in the Big East. There were hopes. There was, or I guess, hopes, chances, dreams that the Hoyas could earn a first-round bye. We spoke about it the other day. The dream for the fifth seed is over. Georgetown can now, the best they can do is seven, although I would put most of my money on them being in the 8-9 game, which you know I hate being at 3 o'clock, particularly if you lose. And I, I think I opened up the press conference by asking Patrick, with everything on the line, with a chance to finish 500 in the league, with a chance to earn the fifth seed, get a bye, are you most disappointed with the execution or the effort? And, you know, he said both, and he eventually got into the whole uh, royal ass-kicking quote that he had. But I think it's more of the effort, because you can make what you want of the second half. You know, Georgetown scored 58 points in the second half. In the first meeting against Connecticut, they had 57 in the game. I think it's more of the effort. I think that the execution comes a common thread in bad losses, like the Creighton loss. It's the players were selfish. And it's hard to disagree. Georgia had one assist at the half. They're losing 51 to 24. They have one assist. He said that was a joke. You know, it's hard to disagree. But I, I just sort of wonder, like, what is, like you said, what is that thread that's connecting the poor starts? Because I think that's connected to effort. Yeah, I think Clark Kellogg had one line today where he said, Georgetown doesn't always play smart and they don't always play well, but they always play hard and they always fight because it's, it's, it's Patrick Ewing's team. Yeah. I, I appreciate the playing hard. And it's something we certainly pointed to last year, how hard the guys played and the comeback wins against St. John's and Butler and losing so many players last season. But we always played hard down the stretch, even though we lost our last seven games last season to end the season. After your brother came on the pod and said they were on the (laughs) ball. Yeah, that's right. There's only so much credit you get for playing hard. It's, It's awful when you see a team not playing hard. And I think ultimately that's that's what doomed We've talked about this before, too, but the Maui Invitational and seeing us just get obliterated by Wisconsin and, and, and Oklahoma yeah. State in back-to-back games where we just got crushed on the boards. It was a lack of effort. And then it looked like we were just lazy and out of it against Oklahoma State. It, it's, it's the lack of effort. It's the lack of fight that, that can really uh, doom a coach. We don't see that with Ewing's teams. It's just... It's just not coming together. And the probably the most jaw-dropping stat today, aside from the rebounding disparity, was UConn shot 59% for the game. I think they shot 60% in the first half, yeah. and it must have been 50, 58% in the second half. So it, it's not like our defense improved. We gave up 98 points in this game. That is a <laughs> staggering, staggering number. Second most, and, second most by a Ewing coach team at Georgetown. They gave up to 101 to DePaul a couple years ago, if you remember that nightmare. I do. It was 101 to 69, and it was our, you know, second to last game of the season. And we somehow ended up winning at Marquette in in the next one. But this has happened in each of Ewing's four years, where we sort of get blown out in one of our final games of the season. It happened against Villanova uh, in his first year. As you said, it happened against DePaul. Last year, we just lost seven in a row. and, and now it's happened at at UConn. But 59% for the game. Now, UConn hit a lot of – they hit a lot of shots. 
they hit they had a lot of threes, but a lot of the sh- a lot of their shots weren't contested, and a lot of their baskets were just layups, layups and dunks, easy looks in the paint, and, and it's just it's unbelievable to me how bad our defense has been at times over the course of the last four years. I I, I want to just count up the number of halves we've given up fifty or more points because it's 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 troubling. It is troubling. I think we've gotten used to whatever is going on with Javon Blair is going to be the way that he ends his career at Georgetown. He played probably one of his better games, 22 points in 24 minutes. Javon was six for nine from the field, four for five. He got to the line, didn't really have any turnovers, didn't really have any assists. I was rooting for him to get back in the lineup. I do think that he's one of your better players and you're playing for something, you're playing for seeding. I guess I'm just a little disappointed with what's going on and we don't know. We don't know. So we can just kind of talk sort of around it that's that's all we know what do you think about that I, I'm, I'm assuming that you weren't surprised that Blair kept his spot on the bench I wasn't surprised I think it was also it was probably a combination of whatever thing he did to get in the doghouse but also we've been playing well with him coming off the bench and so yeah. Ewing just wanted to stick with that lineup and it's it's nice to have a sharpshooter like him coming off the bench especially if we're if if we're losing but on a better team but yes yes but right, right. You know, in in this game, there were a couple of instances in which he uh, he, he penetrated and then sort of had a nice little skip pass or sort of cross court pass to to open shooters who unfortunately didn't hit the shots. So he probably could have had a couple assists there. But look, it's the offense is often stagnant. It's Blair will sometimes do his little hard move and jack up a three that sometimes goes in, and other times he'll try to get to the rim and it. It, it's almost like a turnover when he forces a shot that that doesn't go in because there were a couple of times today where he, he took a couple of shots and you kind of quickly turned it around and and ran up the court and got a got an easy look. So our, our offense is just a lot more stagnant when um you know when he's when he's playing a little too much hero ball. But look, he's he's one of the best shooters in Georgetown history. I think he, you just have to really, account for really, him. You know, I think that the defense has to account for him. So I think that that matters, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, he, he's, but he's, like I said, he's, he's one of the best shooters we've ever seen come to Georgetown without, without question. I mean, he, yeah. he is a shooter. Uh, I, I think it's just when he's trying to do too much where it, he gets the whole team into, into trouble. He, today he had a really good shooting night and he, he had some good looks. He hit some, he hit some good shots, but the last thing we needed to see, like, you know, with four minutes left in the game, for example, when we have all the young guys on the court, is, is Javon Blair just taking it himself and jacking up shots. I've seen enough of that over the course of the season. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So as you know, the previews for casual, I've kind of condensed them into the game thread just because combo it up. And in that, I picked the game. I don't know if you noticed this, but I've been picking Georgetown to beat UConn 
just because mm-hmm. that's kind of like a famous score in the series, if you follow what I'm doing. Yep. And I, I noticed it. Okay. And I'm not doing this, like I'm not I'm not doing it suggesting people look at my prediction and bet on it. Okay. So like I'm not like saying, hey, look, this is you know, I've, I've crunched all the numbers and here's what I'm doing. Okay. And it was funny. So the first time that you know Georgetown played Connecticut, uh, I think it's no escalators. It's it's a pretty entertaining uh Twitter handle from the guys over at UConn. Uh, he took like, you know, he took a screenshot of it and tweeted at me and said, Hey, how's this going? And I'm just like, yeah, you know, there, you know, there was the Hibbert three. What was the other 72 69 game? There was a couple in a row. The Austin, the Austin Freeman game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a bit, you know, like it's a bit I'm putting yeah. a preview. It's for Georgetown fans. I find that when I just pick them to lose all the time, that's not necessarily great since the kind of person coming to the site is not looking to just get you know piled on everybody else is yeah. doing that and georgetown's good it's a, that's a reasonable prediction okay so whatever so at, at one point no escalators was tweeting at andrew who i want to say is busy doing something in his family life and i'm sure we'll watch the georgetown game later so they were getting no response from andrew so then they came to me which is perfectly fair game <laughs> tagged me in it and yukon fan base is really having fun with it i respond to hey you know thanks thanks for reading because if you saw that, that means you've clicked on it. Uh, and I'm not trying to say this in any negative way. I've never clicked on any sort of like SB Nation, UConn site or you, whatever. Like, I just don't have the time. I'm not interested. Um, but man, that just sort of leads me to my overall point, which is a long way to get here is during the game, I was like, you know what? Should have just left UConn to die in the American. No, I think this is better for everybody. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't care what random Yukon fanboys are, are are posting on your uh on 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 your Twitter. It's you're they should know that you're not uh you don't you don't pretend to be Ken Pomeroy right, or right. or Jerry Palm here. So who you know, but it's good. Let's let's bring the rivalry back and they they kicked our ass today and let's see where we are this time next year. All right. Well, I'll just let you know half their team. I was drifting that way for a second and you know i didn't say anything bad back or anything but just like uh this is annoying this is but yes if, if georgetown were to get to a point where they're better which we all hope right having connecticut part of the group is a positive for the league what's going to be really annoying though is when uconn wins the biggest tournament this year and because villanova breaks, yeah, yeah. breaks the tie and ha- captures the most biggest tournament titles over us that's going to be annoying because this is look this this UConn team is good. This is this is the best game UConn has played all season. But this it, James Booknight is an NBA player. I mean, he's a potential lottery pick. Their backcourt is is really really good. Their frontcourt is solid. And when they have guys like Gaffney hitting like four of four threes, <laughs> this team is 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 really good. And they're they're look their their defense and rebounding are exceptional. And if I think I think that has probably been the the two the biggest problems in our games against UConn. Our backcourt just couldn't just couldn't stay with these with these guys. So even even if Wahab and Belay could hold their own down low, and Belay actually stayed in the game this time, wasn't in early foul trouble. But even if, even if Wahab and Belay could hold their own against UConn's front court, and again we still we still gave up what nine offensive rebounds in the first half, so we were getting beat up a little bit. It, our, our their backcourt was just is just better than ours, and it's because I think it's Dante Harris is too young. Carrie couldn't really do much of anything against these guys. Book Knight is a pro, 
And R.J. Cole is a 50-year senior who's a, a really good point guard uh, who who understands the system well. And if, if you heard on the telecast he or on the broadcast, he uh, he played at St. Anthony's. He he played with Jagan Mosley. He played for um, Danny Hurley's father. So he's just familiar with everything so he can step in seamlessly this season. So Cole and Booknight in that backcourt with Gaffney hitting threes uh, and then the size and length up front, this is a really, really good team. Yeah, I want to say... Are we on a UConn podcast now? I mean, I, I, I feel excited for UConn. I'm not excited for UConn. I just wanted to bring up that... I don't think I've actually ever been dragged like that on Twitter. And I know that, that that's what that site does. And I stand behind. You know what? It's a bit. I'm going to keep doing... As long as the like the teams are reasonable, I think 7269 is about as good a guess as you can come up with, considering that it's happened numerous times. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say about RJ Cole. I remember when he was at Howard thinking, like, Howard has a better guard than on what's on Georgetown's roster. You know, so I'm not surprised to see him. I did think Georgetown, obviously you want no one to get hurt, but when you look at just sort of the way the season went, there are some teams that got to play UConn without book night. And then Georgetown got to play them twice in 10 days with book night. You know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's just the way everything goes. And, at the, you know, at the end of the season, those things you hope just kind of add up um, in, or I should say even out for all of yeah. the teams. Did you see, I went back and I did some research last night when I was trying to kill time. Did you get a chance to look at Georgetown's record being the senior day guest? It's hard to win on senior day, man. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I mean, in this like, particular case, there were no fans, so it sure. shouldn't have been quite as hard. But yes, um, I, I saw those numbers. It's, it's um, I, I, look, it's not it's not like most of us expected to win this game. I think we just expected it to be a bit closer. And it was and never it was never competitive. It, it was never competitive. And if you look at if you look at the last game, we we kept the game close in the first half because UConn was just having a terrible shooting night. We, our, our defense was good, uh, but, but UConn also missed a lot of shots. You sort of had the sense that they were going to, you know, I don't think they hit a single three in the first half of the last game. So, of course, they went off in, in, in this game. You know, they, of course, that was bound to happen. Whereas, and, and they also did a good job of uh, shutting down Blair in that game, pushing him outside, and then kind of forcing Wahab to, to pass the ball because we all know what his, what his turnover ratio is. And in that UConn game, our best player was Wahab. And in this game, it was, almost, it was almost like for the first five minutes, the strategy was, let's just do what was working for us in the last game. Let's just keep pounding it down low to Wahab. And he got a couple good looks, but he also had a couple turnovers. It, there, was just, there was really just no imagination. Um, I, I think what UConn did very well in this game was they took Pickett out. Pickett was the complete non-factor in this game. And so we see what happens. I think it's because Pickett had arguably the best game of his career the last time out against Xavier. And they they focused on him a bit more, especially with Blair out of the game. And I was going to say that. Yeah, it, I was going to say that. It took us out. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't have anything else. If, they, if you take Pickett out of the game and Blair is not on the court, Wahab is our number one option, and if he struggles to pass out of the post quickly, we got no offense, and that's exactly what happened. I think we had a total of six baskets in the entire first half. Yeah, I had a tweet out there 
six made field goals, seven turnovers. And at that point at the half, UConn had seven made threes. And I didn't even tweet the score with that. I just, these are the stats. And I think you can look at that and say, well, probably a 20 point game, right? Yeah. I thought that forcing it into Wahab early, that's not something I would do because I don't think that if you double him or I'm sorry, if he gets doubled, I don't think that he recognizes open shooters. So I think once you get the ball to him, it's sort of like, is Wahab going to score or not? And I think that puts you in a bad spot. Now you can't, there was some really hot shooting for Connecticut. So it kind of like sped it up, but I thought Georgetown sped up the gap because of what they were doing. It's like, we're going to get it to Wahab. And even on like, I think there was like a semi break where Bile kind of tried to pass it to him and, you know, Wahab, it wasn't a good pass or whatever. Georgetown, for a second, the one second, it felt like they were getting to the line. Pickett went to the line uh, twice early on. I think Belay as well. You're like, okay, this is how you're going to control it. And I think they got to like 16 to 9. And you're like, okay, this is a legitimate score. 15 to 2, 16 to 9. And then before you blinked, it was 33 to 16. And it's just like this game was completely over. Let me ask you a question and I'll, I'll I'll hold off my answer so as not to influence you, although I'm sure I would not be influencing you. What did you want to see from the second half? Like did you like what you saw as far in terms of like lineups and strategy and stuff? For me, I was hoping for something different. I so I guess I did blow it. I just well, told you what what be, I thought. Before answering that question, I was going to say around the 16-9 mark, I was with you and I was like, okay, now maybe we're going to settle down. Yeah. Right after that, where we got another stop, it was like our third straight stop, and Belay took the ball and tried to go coast to coast, yeah, and promptly turned the ball over. And, and it, it's it's stuff like that that just drives me crazy. I mean, it's he, take the ball out, settle things down a little bit. There there wasn't even an. It's not like this was a, a fast break, but it was plays like that that were just absolute killers. I mean, Belay had one of those, and when Blair came in. He had one of those. It was sort of a, a four-shot leading to a UConn breakout. Those are the plays that were really killers because it's not just a missed basket. It's another one. He only Given missed three. He, I mean, I, there's, there's, there's games where Blair is like three for 12 from deep. And oh, you're just I, like... We didn't, yeah, look, we, we, didn't, we didn't lose this game. I, I don't <laughs> think we lost this game because of any single player. We certainly didn't lose this game because of Blair. Blair had yeah, yeah. a hot shooting night. This is what he does when, when he's on. So I don't, I don't mean to pile on him, but... Um, I guess I'm just Blair sensitive just, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> and yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't. As I, as I said before, I think he's one of the best shooters in Georgetown history, and we shouldn't lose sight of that. So, yeah. Uh, look, we get another shot at the biggest tournament. Maybe he'll, uh, he and the rest of the guys will put it all together. But oh, to answer half. your question, second I, half. I, yeah, I, I mean, I wanted, obviously, I wanted the guys to play hard and not give up, and that was clear. That that's what happened. I wanted to see a lot more young, run from the younger guys. Yes, thank uh, you. To be honest, it took it took a really long time for that to happen. I was wondering why, when there's like eight minutes left in the game and we're still down twenty plus points, you know, after our little run to cut it to sixteen or so had uh, hadn't gone anywhere. I I was just hoping we would see more guys. You know, in particular. I couldn't understand why Sibley didn't get much action early in this game. Uh, I thought he could have been, he could have done a little bit more defensively against their backcourt, just given his, his length. I know he's not as much of an offensive player as Carrie is, but I thought if, if Blair isn't going to be on the court 
you, you should try some new things with, with Sibley back there. Um, but, but again, it, there weren't a lot of situations in which the young guys were given an opportunity to kind of get plugged in and, and get meaningful minutes with normal, normal rotation guys. And then it was just the last few minutes of the game where it was just kind of empty the bench and get everyone in there. So it's, it was really hard to see how productive these guys could be in, in actual game situations. You know, at the half, like, you know, you've lost, I'm sure Patrick wouldn't agree to that. And I know that teams have come back from bigger deficits. Okay. But those are exceptions. That's not really the rule. And this is a Georgetown team. That's not particularly deep. As far as guys that get burned, you're about to go into a tournament setting, which let's say they actually win a couple games. You know, it's, you can't just run those guys out that much like you're gonna be in a position let's say you win wednesday and let's say you know you take a villanova without gillespie like i'm assuming they're in the eight nine game and then you get villanova without gillespie who villanova doesn't play a lot of guys with gillespie now that he's hurt that puts him in an even worse spot you're gonna need to steal minutes from a couple guys i think you have you you know you just played at three o'clock then you got a game at noon and like god forbid they get to friday night I just thought that this was an opportunity at the half to just, if you're so upset at the effort and the execution and you think you're getting your ass royally kicked, why don't you just say, Hey, look, you know what? I'm putting these guys in. Let's watch them. And we see that all the time. We see it in the NBA where Patrick was a coach forever. And sometimes in the NBA, when a coach does that, you know what he'll do he, when it gets close. Cause it usually does in the NBA, they'll leave those guys in. You know what I mean? So I thought there was a perfect opportunity to do that. And I was kind of upset. We've only got, you know, one game left for sure. So this idea that a lot of people like myself have of seeing more of Sibley, seeing a little bit of, you know, Berger, Kobe Clark. I, I think that that's obviously something that's not going to happen. Like the season's over, but that's what I really, I think, I think a lot of people could have walked away feeling a little bit better about the performance, even though, you know, George Shannon scored 60 points in the second half, whatever. I think that if, if we saw what I just, described i think it would have been maybe hey you know what that could help going into the tournament i think you could pull a positive from it yeah i think that's exactly right i mean we have a little bit of a sense of what sibley can do based on his minutes this season but it's tough to get a sense of anything from Berger and kobe clark and and uh i thought kobe clark was hurt and i was convinced he was hurt yeah, because other what what explains the lack of minutes? I mean, everybody seems to like Kobe Clark based on one game's performance when he got a lot of rebounds, and I think he got a, a few quick rebounds off of his own misses today. But otherwise, we don't our sample size isn't really that that great. And Holloway, you know, Colin Holloway too. You sort of look career at him high. And you're wondering what career high what seven position, points. Yeah, what position he would play? What can he do? Like, is this guy like a Mark Eggerson type, which would be great? Uh, or or is he never going to be able to find his role or the right position on the team? Which like is a tweener in the Big East to me. Yeah, so I, look, it's tough to really get a sense about <laughs> about a lot of these guys. And I think heading into the season, if anything, that's certainly what we wanted to know. But look, Dante Harris, we know what we're getting because we haven't had a choice but but to play him. And 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 to be fair, he, he's been he's been great this season uh but he's a freshman and we he he went up against an experienced UConn backcourt one guy who's a fifth year senior one guy who's a pro and what what do we expect i mean he he could not they took dante out of this game i mean dante really couldn't do anything on on either side of the court he played hard uh and i give him credit for that but 
they're just their their backcourt is just too talented for for what we have right now. Yeah, it, it's it's a big ask for Dante. It's been a big ask since Jalen left for Dante, and I think that he's played pretty well. I think he's without knowing everything about the entire league's freshman core. I think he's got to be in the mix for the all freshman team, particularly with what he's done assist wise. Um, I know there are some good freshmen in the league, you know St. John's, uh, Marquette. So I don't know if he's going to make his way to that team. But usually a lot of the times on the all-freshman team, we saw it with Blair and Pickett, a lot of it is, did you play a lot? You know, And so he fits that part. And if you play a lot, you're probably going to, you know, compile some statistics. And I think he's done a good job with with Georgetown. So I think he's going to be in the mix. Last week we were talking, I know I brought it up, and I talked to some people on the side today. You know, hey, if, if Georgetown wins this game, is Patrick Ewing in the mix for coach of the year in the league? I know you have a very good theory, which is that a lot of people probably already voted, which I yeah. totally can see that happening. But I think after today, you know, even though seven and nine avoiding last place is a good start for Georgetown, that's not going to be enough to get him there. I do think though, I don't think I wrote this in the preview. I thought about writing it. So maybe I did. I could be wrong. I'm trying to do so, so many things. For as great as finishing 8-8 eight and eight would have been, I think it would be forgotten if they go to New York and lay an egg. Now, obviously, you can do both. Yeah. You can you can finish 8-8, eight and eight, but you can also win in New York. So now that, the, okay, they're 7-9. But I think, and we talked about this like during you know the beginning of the pandemic, I was joking about Friday night in the garden with you and John a lot. I think that, man, if they can go up there and just win a game, that's a big deal, I think. It's absolutely a big deal. I mean, Ewing has has not won a game in the biggest tournament yet. Yeah. Uh, Pickett and Blair have not won a game in the biggest tournament. Nobody yeah. on this team has won a game in the biggest tournament. Uh, it's Mosley went went deal. four years without without doing it. That's right. Uh, so it's it, we have a new season that now we know starts on on Wednesday. We're going to be the seven, eight, or nine. I would much rather be the eight or nine. Me too. Than than the seven, because I think the, the two most the two most difficult teams for us in this conference are the two teams that have blown us out, and that's Creighton and UConn. Yep. And they're locked in at the two three. So if we're the seven, our only path uh, will go through them in uh, uh, you know on a in a Thursday game. I would I would much rather be in that eight nine game, preferably the eight seed, just to say that we're the eight seed. And see what we can do, and then potentially go up against the Villanova team without Gillespie, and we've played them hard both times before, and and go from there and stay far away from UConn and and, and uh, great. And you know, if you're a Georgetown fan listening to this, you know how bad it is when an injury happens late. I'm particularly speaking of Chris Wright. I think that was a team that you know would have been seated better, would not have lost out to end that season even though he did try to play in the VCU game, but we know he was, you know, heart of a champion giving him his best, but he wasn't healthy. So I think it's awful what happened to Colin Gillespie and it, it's a total bummer for Villanova, but I thought Colin Gillespie was the difference in both those games. And so if we're just talking basketball, like they don't have Colin Gillespie, that's a big deal. Now winning that eight, nine game is not going to be easy just because Georgetown just doesn't go up there and have success. It's been years but I, I think you gotta like you gotta like your chances against a Villanova team without Colin Gillespie. And I'm not trying to, like I said, not trying to celebrate his injury in any way. But you gotta like your chances in that scenario. I don't. I mean, I don't like Georgetown's chances really in any scenario ever. <laughs> but I, 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 but I, I think 
if you think back to those games though man like like colin like he was even like he was even posting up a little bit like yeah I just think to, to look past, obviously to look past an eight nine game or whatever that that game is going to be a fifty fifty game. Yeah. If we win, it'll be fantastic, and we'll be looking forward to playing Villanova. But you're right. All all things considered, Colin Gillespie is potentially the biggest player of the year. Uh, certainly uh, a first teamer, and Villanova is not a deep team. So without their best player, they're they're going to be scrambling a little bit. So yeah. we'll we'll see how they perform against Providence today, uh, with in their first game without Gillespie. But of course, of course, I'd rather play Nova without Gillespie than than I would Creighton or 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 UConn. So I'm I'm hoping we end up in the eight nine game because at the end of the day, who cares if you're the seven or or the eight nine at this stage? Yeah, if I was going to the tournament like I normally do, I would be rooting hard to play at night if you have to play Wednesday. But I'm not going. All I care about is the game, the result. And yeah, I'm not looking past that opponent in the 8-9 game. I'm just saying, when you look at the path, you know, you have, this is the fun part. Like, the Georgetown season likely ends this week. And we're going to go back into super Hoya nerd stuff. You know, breaking down the 2002 season and all that stuff, which I love. Don't get me wrong. But like, this is the time, this is our last time to dream. So I'm going to dream a little dream about that. That scenario of an eight nine, you you just find a way, and then you just say, "Hey, look, it's noon, it's early, anything could happen." Gillespie's not here. This is your best chance in years to do something. So that that's where I just like last podcast, I was dreaming a little dream about the NIT. Now I'm just dreaming a little dream about the best shot of playing Friday night at the Garden. Look, I, I'm I'm with you. This coming week is typically my favorite week of the year for a variety yes. of reasons. It's awesome. Uh, and when was the last time we were an eight or nine seed and upset a one seed on a oh. Thursday at the Garden? Oh yeah, that was probably a good one of the time. best games I've ever seen. Yeah, and it so, the, the Friday game after that was so anticlimactic. It was like it was it was it was the best. It was great. Yeah. Oh, to have a Friday night game that's relaxing. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. And then Saturday night was atrocious, but oh, yeah. it's okay. Getting there is fun. And you know what? Speaking of that, I wanted to say, and I was actually meant to open up with this. I'm not savvy enough to cut what I'm about to say and put it in the beginning, but it was just nice to be on CBS in March. You know, Clark Kellogg, you got the, the music coming in and out. I know that that's really lame, but that's kind of where Georgetown is right now. So just to be a part of of you know just everything the game was a total disaster but it's like you know it's just nice not being on cbs Sportsnet or fs1 like we're on the mothership we're on cbs this is this is where the road to the final four starts and ends it was just nice to be a part of it 100 percent with you uh and then i realized that <laughs> the first opportunity a lot of people get to see us well the they, they basically probably the most press we've gotten not the most press the, the most attention we've gotten in the last few weeks is when we played on fox on super bowl sunday yep. and when we played on cbs today and unfortunately we lost both of those games and the game against villanova was at least a nail biter and a heck of a game but this I one believed. people who I are believed. just just paying attention to college basketball now that now that selection sunday is a week and a day away just saw us get absolutely annihilated and all of those people are probably 
licking their chops to put UConn in as a potential dark horse Final Four team because this is all they know. Um, but but yeah, it it wasn't a good look for us today. Hey, but real real time day, update. This is also this is one of the more meaningless games we've played in a long time. So if we're going to lose a game in this fashion, let it be this game and let's turn the page, not look at the tape and get ready to go on Wednesday. Cause I, I know we still haven't won three games in a row uh, in the big East in the Ewing era, uh, almost at the end of season four. But if we can somehow string four together this week, we'll be going to the tournament. You know what? I totally forgot about that stat because between Twitter being sort of crazy, there was some interesting like Hoya Twitter stuff going on, some interesting things out there. And then, you know, UConn dragging me, like I said, and just Georgetown just getting obliterated down by 30. I totally, I totally forgot. I, I was too busy looking up what was the most points Georgetown had given up under Ewing. And I thought it was the Paul game, but it was. I want to say a real-time update. Providence is up 21-12 at the under eight first half media timeout against our first look at Villanova without Colin Gillespie. So just want to let the listeners know that as I'm sure I'll get this podcast up later and they can listen to it and why I hope that the next time we speak, it's, it's about something fun. Not that this wasn't fun, but about a more, a more positive on court performance by everyone's favorite Georgetown Hoya basketball. team. I look forward to another, another edition of the move offense and the rebound defense. Sometimes that's a whole other topic. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> that's a whole other topic. All right, everyone, you can find us everywhere you get your podcast. If you're listening, you already did that. Subscribe, rate, and listen. It makes a big difference. Until next time. Have a good week. Let's win the Biggie's tournament. We got it.